0: I am Garrett McQueen. And I (laughs) am Scott Blankenship. And this is Triloquy, true and real stories from the fringes of classical music. So last time, Scott, we talked about the three Cs, cats, cops, and conductors. Mm -hmm. um, In preparing for today, I figured that we need, or maybe I need to add a couple more Cs (laughs) to that. (laughs) (laughs) Choirs. What? And Christmas. And,
1: so you have a complicated relationship with choirs and Christmas as well.
0: Well, you know, shout out to uh, my homie Jonathan, who was on Opus, some one of the early Opuses of this, you know, uh, New York City Gay Men's uh, Chorus mm-hmm. member. You know, uh, so when we were uh, homies back in Memphis, we would always talk about levels of musicianship among uh, singers versus instrumentalists, the whole conversation of, okay, are you a musician or are you a— or, or do you sing, you know, and how singers are uh, instrumentalists and in so many cases uh, it can be a challenge for orchestras and other instrumental ensembles to work with choirs and that's definitely been some of my experience in the past, but mm. um, the choir we had in today, you know, was very uh, lovely to work with beyond so, so uh, we're both uh, we're both very excited to uh, share with you listening uh, a performance by the Encore Women's Choir here uh, based in the uh, Twins Cities. I interview um, their uh, directors in this opus. So we'll get um, more talking about choirs here in a bit. But I want to talk about Christmas first. Okay. Well, what's your relationship with uh, Christmas and the holiday season? The way it is now or what it was? Uh,
1: Either way, I I suppose. I am not a religious person. Right. And I don't
0: go in for the commercialism. So Christmas is so you have, has no place for you. <laughs> it,
1: not, not in my house. I, yeah. mean, I haven't had a tree in 15 years, probably. Yeah. And if I want that feeling, I just jump in the car and I go and I drive around and I look at lights or I go to a mall where they have the music. You know, so I get it in doses. Sure. That's the way I like it. But my positive memories of Christmas as a kid was all due to mom. Yeah, all, my mom, what she would start a Christmas club for Christmas in January. Yeah, right? so all year long she's saving up, and when me and my brothers came out, there was just a sea of gifts around the tree. And it was just that electric feeling, you know, that where you feel like you're being tickled, you know, there's just such excitement when you go out and, you know, there's all the, the candy and peanut brittle, you got your stockings hung there, all these presents and everybody is just so excited to, to be there. It's, all
0: thanks to mom. Yeah, that's a good memory. You know, my mom would uh, do a lot, and we we didn't really celebrate Christmas. The word Christmas wasn't really allowed in our house. You talked up. about that, yeah, yeah, um, because my my um, you know you talk about how you're not religious. Well, my parents were and are so religious that you know again, and I think I've talked about this on Thanksgiving, but how they don't relate um, pagan practices of mm-hmm. of fir trees and gift giving and all that stuff with their lord and savior, so um, it was never a, a huge deal for me, growing up, but my mom would, you know, she would, she would make, she would let a kid be a kid in <laughs> December. So there, there were gifts sometimes, and mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of fond memories. I still like putting up the tree, and being from the South, it was always a fake tree. But since uh, moving to Minnesota, Dell and I make sure that we uh, go get a real life tree. Our, our first Christmas here, we got it on the bus. Even I, I thought that was amazing. <laughs> Everybody did. I thought that was just a regular thing. Um, but this year, the the bus didn't come for some reason so we we hauled the tree uh, i'm i'm at the uh, at the foot of it. He's at the top of it, you know, all the way down Grand Avenue. So that was still pretty Christmasy. Lots of snow on the ground, folks seeing you know, two guys carrying their Christmas tree home. Uh, but, you know... Be, be, it sounds like the beginning of a Christmas movie. You know? I know, hey, yeah. Hey,
1: Garrett! Hi, Del! Oh, hey, how you doing?
0: And, you know, speaking <laughs> of Christmas movies, as, as much as sometimes I just roll my eyes at the holiday season, you know, there are Christmas movies attached to Christmas music that I can't let a holiday season go by without hearing. And, you know, when you uh, think about the music from Home Alone, I-, I think it's hard not to get a little bit of a a, 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 a cheery feeling, you know, sure. when, when you hear this sort of stuff. then, of course, there's no um, Home Alone without Home Alone 2, right? <laughs> Lost in New York. And, by, and, and while I'm thinking about it, you know, Home Alone was the very first movie I saw out. My parents uh, took me, uh, and I think I had a brother around at that point, uh, to the drive-in movie. Mm-hmm. So um, so uh, okay. we saw it there. So, you know, all sorts of memories there. Um, and, of course, you know, uh, Lost in New York has that really cool tune, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. Do you have any uh, favorite Christmas movies or bits of Christmas music that you just can't let December go by without hearing? Well, you know that on
1: Thanksgiving Day, you can watch uh, A Christmas Story with Ralphie and... And, and Randy. And the whole gang, you know. <laughs> you can watch that, what is it, 24
0: hours mm-hmm. on Christmas Day or Thanksgiving Day. And that has a lot of cool music, too, but not Christmas music. Like the Grand Canyon Suite is in there, mm-hmm. if you remember. I, I do. Uh, Peter and the Wolf is mm-hmm. in there. You know, the, the bully is the wolf. And, Very clever, yeah. yeah.
1: But for me, my fa- now my favorite Christmas film is Elf. Dale loves that. And there is a uh, a song called Sleigh Ride performed by Ferrante and Teicher. And... Uh, That's the the iconic one, when Buddy is walking across the street and he gets hit by the cab. (laughs) Okay, this is what's playing. And who could forget, you know, just a a Christmas carol? And a lot of people argue with me. over, You know, I like the George C. Scott version. Um, Some people like Albert Finney. And there's an Alistair something or other that was, like, way back in, like, when— You know, we were still in black and white.
0: And there's also a Vanessa Williams version. You know, they've remixed Mm. a Christmas carol a lot. I was in a Christmas carol as a kid. I was Tiny Tim one time. Really? Yeah. I think I played a very good Tiny Tim as well. Yeah? I was tinier in those days, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, when I think about uh, popular Christmas carols, especially when you're talking about choral music as it uh, relates to uh, Christmas and the holiday season, I think of Carol of the Bells. That's one people just love. You know, maybe... Maybe it's just the sound of it, the mysterious sound of it. And of course, that's based on an old uh, Russian, uh, maybe even Ukrainian um, folk tune, mm-hmm. and it's become, you know, a part of what it means to celebrate Christmas in America—Russian collusion, if you will. But we'll we'll save that one for another time. It's pretty tense in Washington these days.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe you can, maybe you have some insight into this. And my not being very uh, into the religion aspect of it, and yet for me, Oh Holy Night," is the Christmas song, especially when you've got Bryn Terrible. Even just sitting here thinking about it, it, it kind of makes me well up. I get a little reclaimed.
0: Uh You know, if I'm going to be completely honest, to me it just gets into the cheesiness of Christmas again. I mean, is there a memory that you connect with? with? And, and no shade to the performance. You mm-hmm. know, obviously it's phenomenal, but is there a memory that, you, that you're that you thinking of that, that yeah. chokes you up? Or? Probably
1: 2001, 2002, I had a Christmas party with uh, a roommate. And my my good friend Brian Poole, big man, broad-shouldered, big chest, sang it a cappella. And I remember looking around the room, and people were just kind of dabbing at their eyes. And so, it, you know, it holds a spe- cheese aside, and I'm a cheesy guy, you know that. So for me, room for all. It, who is, it works. Who
0: is your roommate? Patty Weiss. Okay. Is there any reason you didn't want to name Patty? Uh, I— I
1: I don't even know if she's listening right now.
0: Hey Patty. Okay, I'll just just uh you know, just ask I didn't know if there was some drama there cuz you said with a roommate, so. Yeah. And hey, you know, there's there's often roommate drama during the holiday season or or whatever. I'll, I'll shout out my um former roommates uh Devin. Shout out to Devin who's getting Devin. married, who's getting married uh, uh next month. Um we always had beautiful Christmas trees. There was never any Christmas drama, but again, I I, I was just checking in, yeah. you know. Just it. Thanks. We'll, well, we'll shout out to, again, your friend who sang this so beautifully. Brian Poole. Shout, shout out, out to out Brian, Brian Poole. Poole. Yeah. And then I'm thinking of, uh, you're, you're mentioning, Oh, Holy Night. Makes me think of Silent Night and the way so many choirs sing Silent Night or Silent Night. <laughs> I should have asked the, uh, our guests about rehearsing songs like that consonants, but um, but anyway. But uh, but before um, you get to hear my conversation with uh, Alisa, Rondi, and uh, Jan. I felt like I needed to bring up Kanye West because so on the Thanksgiving opus, um, we shared a little clip uh, of the tune that he did with Caroline Shaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, not too long ago, maybe a month ago now, a month and a half ago, he put out an album uh, called Jesus is King because, you know, Kanye is saved now. And all of the hip hop podcasts I listen to and think pieces that I read and everything just called it trash and people don't need to uh, spend any time with it. Um, but that was hard for me to deal with because for me, Kanye West was one of those rappers, especially in the early 2000s, who is really putting people on to important um, conversations. I remember the first, um, the first Kanye tune that really grabbed my attention was one that explored the issue of blood diamonds mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, ex- exploring the idea of do you really know where this jewelry is coming from and do you know that you are contributing to violence, you know, among children?
2: Diamonds are forever Throw your diamonds forever, in the sky forever, if you feel the vibe Diamonds are forever The rack is still alive
0: So anyway, that's the that's more of the Kanye I grew up with. Um, but anyway, I mentioned Jesus is King, and you know, as much as people were just on that album, I um, oh sorry, you have to use a bleep. <laughs> um, as, as much as people were just uh, you know poo pooing on that album, I got a little bit curious. So one day I turned it on, and I heard some incredible choral. Uh, singing some some incredible choral uh, productions, particularly in a tune um, that he uh, that he titled "Selah," uh, a biblical term, and the way the choir just sings the word "Hallelujah," just just does something to me.
2: Wake up with Judas kissing makeup.
0: So what do you think of that, uh, Scott, just using um, choral music and specifically in this case, religious choral music to rope people in? Because I'm sure there are a lot of folks out there who really don't give a damn about Kanye, but because he is putting out this music, uh, talking about Jesus and then using a choir, specifically, you know, what folks would think of as a church choir to sort of uh, push it forward. Do you think that's appropriate? Do you think that's him uh, commodifying religion or, or, or what are your thoughts? Well, that's
1: using a choir isn't anything new, right? I mean, there's other popular artists who've used larger ensembles to punctuate something, right?
0: Right. But, you know, there it's the conversation of using those aesthetics um, as a way to uh, convince folks of an agenda or or, or, huh. or what his new thing is, you know, as I mentioned, like he's all saved now and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't believe it. A lot of people think it's still an iteration of his, uh, his men- mental health, uh, challenges, but I, I don't know. Sometimes, um, I, I think it's easy to, you know, pander to, and we talk about pandering a lot mm-hmm. and to me, it just feels like pandering. I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. Okay. Truth in advertising. I'm I,
1: not familiar with Kanye's catalog. Yeah. I'm not. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have heard Gold Digger. Okay. <laughs> and I have heard that little sliver that we played that Caroline Shaw worked on. And right. I appreciate I liked the way that he worded
0: i like the way he phrases things in that regard okay so let me ask you this then you're not familiar with kanye would him adding in those sorts of aesthetics choral music maybe even instrumental or or whatever you enjoy listening to in your free time would that be enough to if if kanye did a a duet with with uh who do you love Waits. tom Waits. with tom waits that i'm sure you hilarious. would i'm sure you would pay attention to that though right i would i would listen to
1: it yeah for sure i and now that has me wondering what they might come up with. But my main question is, if this is a, uh, a release of faith, right? This is a re- He's saved. This is a religious-oriented recording, correct? Where's the money going? To him, obviously,
0: right? Right. But it, how do you feel about that? Is that right? Well, you know how I feel about religion. I think it's all a, a money grab, no shade, no disrespect to anybody. But, you know, I don't think that's any different than, you know, I come from the South where preachers drive Cadillacs, always have the newest whatever. And I, I think this is just a large scale um, example of that. I, I don't know how to see it any other way. But for me, again, that does not take away from the music. I can listen to that music um, and, and feel something and and get something out of it. You know, going back to when we visited um, Pilgrim Baptist Church, you know, shout out to uh, Jacob Dodd, um, the song that uh, we heard performed at that service, you know, What If God Is Unhappy With Our Praise, that's one I've returned to as well. And I'm not asking that question as much as I'm just listening to the music. And I think it's um, pretty clever. And You know, uh, Kanye has gone even further and uh, produced a whole opera that that has gotten a, a few Folks, talking. Have you heard much about Nebuchadnezzar, the the Kanye West opera? I've
1: read part of the Rolling Stone article that we'll include here for you as a link in this opus. Uh, Audacious
0: and messy was (laughs) the two words that stood out in it. What do you think? I mean, I I saw a tweet uh, not too long ago that was basically saying folks want new music specifically new operas by black composers but not like this not like that um and and i'm not i'm not uh, offended by Kanye West doing this. I think it's kind of cool. You know, I, I read an article, uh, from another website and, um, it was talking about how folks were expecting music from Jesus is King. They thought it was going to be a Jesus is King concert, but this was an original opera. Kanye West was the offstage narrator. You know, of course it tells the story of Nebuchadnezzar, um, uh, and if you remember your Sunday school lessons, you know, he was someone who, you know, was very wicked and then found salvation. And, you know, maybe Kanye West is, uh, you Emulating know, using that. Yeah, yeah, using that as a metaphor for himself. Hmm. Um, lots of I, I heard that those choral performances were very um, well done. Um uh, you know the the main character did a great job. Unfortunately, um, there aren't really recordings of it that we can use or even samples uh, to share with you. But hopefully, it's going to be recorded, and I'm definitely going to listen. You know, yeah. just just to just to check in to what's happening on the fringes of classical music, as it were. Right. The guests today, though, what a powerful
1: group of. Voices we had here in the studio and record in the big room.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting to talk about. You know, uh, Kanye putting out an agenda through the integration of of choral music and choral sounds. You know, this uh, or her voice productions is the umbrella. Um, you know, name for the for the organization. They have three choirs under that umbrella. Uh, the Encore women's uh, chorus came in to record with us, and that's the performance uh, that is going to wrap up this opus of uh, Triloquy. But, you know, their mission statement is to uh, affirm and empower the voices of women and girls. And what... A way they do that. And one of the uh, first things I talk about uh, in my interview uh, with their leaders was that it's not just women um, on stage and in the forefront. The music is written by women mm-hmm. and the content is very woman powered. Did you, did you notice that while you were uh, shooting the video?
1: I, that first one that they recorded Warrior. Yeah. I thought that was very moving. Right. It was really nice. And Emily Newberg has a, a shining solo in the second one yeah shout so. out to her it sounded so soulful and yeah yeah it was it was really great she was there and just watch the video she steps into the space and just
0: shines yeah yeah so you know um, the the power of choral music you know I, I know I began this opus by saying I've been challenged by choral music in the past I still am you know a quick side note when um, when uh, Daphnis and Chloe Uh, you know, the uh, reveal includes Mm -hmm. the the, uh, choral part. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I kind of roll my eyes or whatever, but, (laughs) you know, you, you, you can't help but to understand um, the power of choral music and what it can do um, when you hear uh, the women of the Twin Cities uh, women's uh, chorus perform, specifically the encore ensemble that comes into this opus. So um, I hope you'll um, stick around for that and um, to hear my conversation uh, with their uh, leaders who you'll hear from now. Just as a um, and just as a way to bridge this all together, Scott. I thought we might uh, transition with a Kanye Christmas tune. Did you know he did Christmas music? (laughs) I didn't, but you know, all all, all the pop stars do. You know, everyone. I call this Mariah Carey season. Everyone knows hers, but you know, even Kanye West put his own spin on Christmas uh, in a tune called "Christmas in Harlem." So here's a little sample of that for you to uh, lead us into my conversation with the leaders of Her Voice Productions.
2: the owl and all the good night, huh, that we all living the good life. Yeah, though it's 40 below the windshield, and we wipe the snow up off the windshield. It's still wonderful night to be alive, baby, and I'm so happy I'm with my baby. And we a little late with the Christmas gifts, rushing for mall. Don't trip, you know, I drive crazy. The streets
3: lit up and feel
0: like Christmas. So great to be here with the three of you on this very special opus of uh, Triloquy. How about I uh, get each of you to uh, uh, introduce yourselves and, uh, and uh, tell us about your role uh, within Her Voice Productions?
4: Good morning. My name is Janice Hunton, and I'm the Artistic Director of the Twin Cities Women's Choir. And I'm Rondi Grundahl-Rexroth, and I am the Assistant Artistic
5: Director of the Twin Cities Women's Choir and the Artistic Director of Encore. And I'm Alisa
6: Olson, and I'm the executive director of Her Voice Productions.
0: Well, thank you so, so much, each of you, for being here. You know, um, we're going to uh, wrap up this opus with uh, a performance from the uh, from the Encore Ensemble. And as I was listening in, you know, I, I, I was so moved by the fact that the music isn't just performed um, by women, but it centers women. The content of the music is very woman-powered. Is that a, a, a normal thing for, for your ensembles to really explore that woman? empowered music
4: yeah uh, it is we we have kind of a tagline for our organization which is empowering the voices of women and girls mm-hmm. and so we live by that if what we're doing is not doing that when we really think about it well is this the right direction for us to go
6: i think mm-hmm. we've we've made a conscious choice in the last few years um you, it's so hard to find music sometimes that's very women-centric and women-focused that's empowering. Right. And um, I think we've made a really strong move towards choosing rap that is either empowering the woman who's writing it Mm -hmm. or empowering the woman who's performing it or empowering the woman in the audience. Absolutely. So I think that's uh, a pillar of what we're trying to do.
0: And the idea of empowering women's voices moves beyond the concert stage, you know, how, and in and, so. and, and, and what ways, uh, Rondi, I'll ask you this question. In, in what ways um, does uh, this organization empower women beyond, uh, beyond music, beyond choral music?
5: Well, I think that finding the power of their own voice can bleed out from the rest of to the rest of their lives. They can find that they have the ability to say and to sing. If they can't say it, they can sing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that that make them confident and bolster confidence in other people. I think that I think that that is the biggest thing is to be able to to own the the sound of their own voice and then be able to put that out in the world. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. What's well, some of the history of, of, of Her Voice Productions? How long has the organization been around?
4: We're in our 23rd, 2nd. Third
0: year. <laughs> There's
4: some disagreement about how long we've been around, but we we started in 1997. Okay, so that, that's <clears throat> that's a firm fact. Okay. Yes, we know that.
0: <laughs> and started here in the in the Twin Cities. Yes. yes. Okay.
4: It did. And um, I've been with the organization for seven years, and so I feel like I'm I'm taking it into the next chapter. Um, Elise has been here for two. Mm-hmm. Rondy's for eight. So mm-hmm. we're we're kind of taking it in a, in somewhat of a new direction, but uh, honoring the history that came before us too.
0: Mm-hmm. But what are some of the ideas of this new direction that you're you're moving the ensemble and the organization in?
6: Well, no. we've talked about this a lot and I think um you know, we live in a different climate than in 1997. I think the whole world has changed around us. Yeah. And our mission is so strong for us, which is to be a diverse community that sings, performs, and affirms the voices of women and girls. Yeah. And so for us, it's actually, I would say, more of a focus um, and really looking at the things that we do and how we do it, how we set up our rehearsal processes that are also doing that. So it's not just about the end product, but what are we doing during the process to affirm women's voices? Right, right. And and um, so I guess that's sort of the new era. There was a really strong community that came out um, f- right away mm-hmm. from 1997. There was 30 women who started this organization, who had left another organization and really wanted to have an inclusive environment. And so from that, you know, little seed, it was really wonderful that it's blossomed. But now we have instead of 30 members, we have 154 singers in the women's choir. Wow, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have a different environment to, to let all of those people blossom. Yeah. So we're just sort of going, okay, how do we narrow the focus and how do we actually make sure that everything that we choose to do is supporting the mission and supporting the people in the room.
0: Absolutely. And the word inclusiveness, inclusion, mm. has been has been thrown around a lot. You know, every organization, you know, has different ways to deal with that and different challenges that go along with it. What are some of the unique challenges of being um, inclusive and um, an all-women's organization, a women-centered organization?
4: Well, we pride ourselves in being a non-audition choir. Which oh means wow! Anybody who wants to come sing with us can walk through the door and come sing with us, and with that comes um, the responsibility to teach how to sing. If we're if we're hearing some things in a section that you know everyone's not agreeing on the pitch, then rather than kicking them out, mm-hmm. we say, "Well, we have to we have to work with this. We have to instruct. We have to do some voice teaching um, and how to blend a sound and how to get pitch together and, and work on intonation." And so our that's one of the challenges, but it's one of them that we accept really with open arms because we want to have everybody be able to participate that way.
0: Yeah. And pitch can certainly be one of those conversations that isn't always the easiest to have. Yeah,
4: Yeah. But then you say, well, why is it not in tune? Well, what can we do? And it really gets to be an analytical, okay, is it the vowel? Is it the breath? I mean, there are ways we can address it and they really respond Mm -hmm. well to what we try to do to kind of fix the thing. Yeah, and sure. I think I think there's a number
5: of people that come to our organization because we're non-auditioned that have never performed with a choir before. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are several people who have like, I haven't sung since high school, or I haven't sung since the sixth grade, but they at least have a little bit of basis. There are still people who walk in the room and say, I've never done this before.
0: Wow. And they
5: don't read music, and they have de- they don't know how to use their voice in a certain way, or they've never held their own part in a four-part or six-part harmony. And so, and we embrace those challenges, and we embrace that um, way to include everybody. We're, we we are you know, on a weekly basis. We 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 try to get people on board with all of those things. So
0: is, it's fun. I wonder if there's a tell when uh, someone comes to your organization who has who has never been a part of a choir before. Are there just signs of a, a choral newbie? Well, <laughs> yes. what, what are some of those? Newbie.
6: Totally overwhelmed. Yeah. 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 With 150 people in the room, they're like, I don't know that I belong here. I oh, that's well. that's the one. Ooh. Sorry. That's the one thing that you I know I get in the back of the room a lot, which is like, I don't think I can do this. And it's like, no, you're in the right place (laughs) out of all the places to be. You're in the right place. And I think people just get overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. everything because it's everything's new.
0: Sure. How how
6: often do we as adults walk into some situation where everything is new and you're putting your spirit on the line? Because we have a conversation frequently that singing is not. It's not just an instrument that you can tune or buy a better instrument. You can't upgrade that. It's you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when you come into the room to sing with us, like you're sharing a part of your spirit with us – this is the best mm-hmm. place to do it because we don't judge the quality of your spirit. <laughs> right.
5: Yeah, and singing singing is a very vulnerable thing because, like you were saying, it comes from inside of you. And I teach high school girls, high school singers, and they have, on daily basis, they, they have sounds that come out of their mouth that they don't like. But it's contributing to the whole— Maybe and, that
0: you don't like either. Right.
3: <laughs>
5: Sometimes, and then we work with that. Yeah. But, it, but it's a completely natural thing to question whether or not you're good enough to do it because Mm. it's just you you are the only product or you're the only instrument that's that's responsible for that sound and so um but to have 150 in the room that are all doing that um for someone who's never done that they may not feel like that's um supportive enough but it is and we and and they they get there they get there Mm. talk about the memorizing though
4: Oh, when I came on um, after their 15th anniversary, I inherited a wonderful uh, commitment that they had to memorizing all their music.
0: Oh, wow. And
4: that that is a huge commitment. Yeah, Um, absolutely. They don't think they can do it. And it's a struggle. And it's like we hear a lot of the complaining along the way, but then they get it. And then in performance, we're right there with each other. We can communicate so much better. And we hear from the audience all the time what a joy it is to have them sit and listen to this choir because they're seeing faces. And those expressive faces are part of the performance, not just the sound with their you know eyes buried in music. Right. But their whole body is in, involved in, in communicating and expressing this music. <laughs> and I want to get back to one thing about how we empower um, sure. these voices. They come into the room sometimes thinking they can't do this, and if they get through the first concert, they realize that they've accomplished a huge thing, and they can. And we've heard so many stories from our individual members about how just going through that process in this really supportive environment has changed how they can go out into the world mm-hmm. and do the same thing. They feel more confident. They feel like we've got their back, and we do. Yeah. Uh, and we've heard that from so many of our, our members.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and what better way to you know I I know you know lots of folks in the organization are adults, so you know learning teamwork seems like a, a thing to teach to kids, but you know it can even apply to you know grownups like mm, us. So. And and as you say, bringing that uh that spirit into whatever you know corners of the world that folks exist in. Um, so when I think of choral music, when a lot of people versed in classical music think of choral music, um, we think of soprano, alto, tenor, bass, but that's not the case in. Yep. In in ensembles like these, so I'm curious uh, about that. Is it you know S S A A or or how does how does the instrumentation quote unquote work in an all woman's choir? Mm -hmm.
4: Well, um, we've got sopranos and altos, and so we have two major sections. But then sometimes we divide those in half, so it's S S A A. Sometimes we divide it into six parts, sometimes into eight parts, and so within those two major. Sections, a lot of divisi can happen. And I did a crazy thing two years ago. I, I assigned all of all of the singers <laughs> animals because okay. it's just easier to say with all of these separate divisis, okay, penguins, you sing this line, and then the bears are going to sing this and this <laughs> rather than, are you a soprano too high? Or are you a soprano too low? Or in this section, you're going to be a soprano too middle, but... So I, they all have animals, and it was just this hysterical—so you know, here I am talking to the ducks. Yeah. <laughs> but it really—it helps, and we've gotten used to it, I think, a little <laughs> bit more, um, and it's been in helpful to figure out who's singing what line. And yeah. the women
6: are impa- like, I had some. I had two women come up to me and be like, "I'm a tiger." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yes, yes you are."
0: <laughs> you know, when you when you talk about you know soprano, uh, high soprano and low soprano, I, I think about um, the way uh, how it can be uncomfortable to use our voices um, in ways that we're not used to. You know, I rem- I'm thinking right now of my uh, high school music theory teacher. Uh, she said that when she joined a choir, she just assumed that. Um, you know, she would be an alto because she doesn't have really a, a really high speaking voice or anything, and, uh, and she learned that she could be a soprano. You know, when I was in my uh, high school show choir, I know it doesn't sound like I used to be a singer, but...
3: <laughs> I <laughs> believe it. I believe it. Um,
0: but I, I knew that I was a bass, that I should be singing bass, but my teacher taught me um, to sing more in the tenor range, and I really discovered a part of my instrument that I had never uh, discovered uh, before. All of that is, is a long way of asking the question, how do you Shape a woman's voice to fit um, your your ensembles, because I'm sure there are preconceived notions of uh, that the women bring in concerning what my voice can do within this ensemble, or you know, all of that sort of thing.
5: Well, I think I think. Firstly, because we're dealing with adults, I th- and correct me if I'm wrong, Jan, but we really do allow them to self-select where they think they are. Hmm. We give them the respect of saying, I, f- I feel like I'm an Alto 2, so I'm going to go to the Alto 2s. What we do encourage them to say is, if that doesn't feel right after a couple weeks and you want to switch, you are welcome to do that. Okay. So I think that we... I think that we try to, to respect their decisions on where they feel their voices are, but through our warm ups and through our repertoire, are those alto twos singing D above above the st- above uh, the top C on the mm-hmm. staff? Absolutely, they okay. are. They don't like it, <laughs> but, but they do it, right? So, so we're training them, and all of our warm-ups are helping. So every and 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 our sopranos, our first sopranos, actually sang some really low notes okay. this year, um, because we sang some really some pop music that's really down in their range. So I think the repertoire and the warm-ups we're we're helping to cultivate all of the voices, but we do we do respect their decisions on where they'd
4: like to be. Yeah. And I think that the go-to section for people who don't really know are Alto 1s. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not, I mean, the people who know they can sing high say, I'm a Soprano 1, confidently. And the people who know they can sing low go to the Alto 2s. And those who are not quite as sure, they kind of filter into the A1s. And then so we have a very large A1 section, which is fine. Um, and then after they're with the choir a little bit, they say, oh, I think this is not the right place for me and, and what Rondi said. We we let mm-hmm. them kind of morph around um, we call them transsectionals. that okay. yes.
5: <laughs> they have to get a new animal the whole <laughs> day okay. no, but that's okay yeah
0: yeah yeah um how do you deal with, so, you know, with, with this being a non, uh, these being non audition ensembles, um, I have to ask, how do you deal with musicians or women who come in who are very confident in their singing voice and maybe expect to get all of the solos? Is that, a, is that ever a conversation? I'm, wow. I'm curious.
6: That's the that no.
0: that situation. Not actually.
5: in my tenure. No, not okay. in my tenure, yeah.
4: I think because, uh, okay, this is a stereotype, but because we're women, I think that there is an acceptance of the community, mm-hmm. and they are individuals that make up the community rather than having the ego be mm-hmm. so present. And, I, again, I understand that that's a huge stereotype. Yeah, sure. But we, we haven't had that problem. It's also not a competitive environment we have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that one woman who
6: was brand new to us last year sang one of the solos and she's got a brilliant voice. And this year she just made the decision, I'm not going to audition so that someone else can shine. Yep. Okay. And I mm-hmm. think that that's sort of the environment that yep. we live in in our organization. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe they're the best, maybe they're not, but you're never going to know if everybody's sort of running for the finish mm-hmm. line first yeah I love that mm-hmm. and, 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 no,
0: and no need to sort of shy away from the stereotypes because <laughs> I'm, I'm very familiar <laughs> um, so you know these days one of the more um, you know challenging conversations that people are trying to engage in is the conversation of gender and sex and um, and what that means what it means to um, identify as a man or a woman has this conversation um, come into her voice productions? Yes, oh, yeah. very much okay.
6: so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We um, started sort of a new um, committee. Like, we have many committees in our organization, and one is, you know, um, inclusion and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and. and that's something that we're really passionate about sort of moving forward because we believe that everybody can come and sing with us as long as you can match pitch with your section. Okay. And that's sort of one of our current pillars. But we're also saying, hey, is that still inclusive? Um, and that's really why that committee was formed this year, which is to say let's actually take a deep dive into this and what that means and who are we preventing to coming into our organization and who might need us. Mm-hmm. Um so I think we're asking that question right now. I mean, we have we have language right now, which essentially says, as long as you match section, mm-hmm. you match pitch with your section, sure, you're welcome to come in. Mm-hmm. So,
4: and it is a challenge because um, some trans women still have baritone and bass voices, right? And yes. so they would not be able under our criteria which we're trying to be really clear about so it it's just factual you have to be able to sing in the same octave and match pitch and that's that's just for everybody who's in the the group um so there is some self-selection that has to happen there i think um but we, we really are trying to form our language to be as, inclu- as inclusive as we possibly can. Yeah. One of our mm-hmm. biggest qualifiers at this moment is, are, are you able and willing to affirm the voices of women? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. I
0: think
6: that's the pillar of who we are, and that's what we want everyone to be. And, and
0: that's something, you know, unfortunately, that can't just uh, be assumed no. uh, about a person right. or, or an organization, you know, right. especially the, the, the more I read, you know, I've been reading a lot uh, in the past year about uh, feminism, specifically radical feminism, <laughs> and while some of it may Makes me uncomfortable, even. You know, I think it's so important to really uh, look at issues and conversations like these from as many directions as possible. And um, you know, as musicians, I think you know we're uh, especially uh, poised to to have to engage that sort of thing even more so. Uh, Choral music, because you know the voice is the only instrument that really reflects the body uh, quite mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. way. You know, mm-hmm. um, so uh, we we haven't talked much about the different ensembles under the her voice uh, production uh, umbrella. I want to start with um, the the youngest group, mm-hmm. the 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 girls ensemble. Uh, how how are how are those uh, musicians uh, cultivated and brought into the family?
6: We um, just started this year doing some new new recruitment, so to speak. Um, we went to Girls on the Run this year. There's 6,000 girls from all over the Twin Cities, and we we sang. And
0: mm-hmm. um, we, and what is Girls on the Run? Girls
6: on the Run is a marathon that's put into the schools, They they're, they're their own organization, but they essentially ask um, girls in schools if they want to participate in a marathon. It's a 5K, 5K at, run. at the um, the Mall of America. Mall of America. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: Do you have to run and sing? (laughs) No.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Although we had some of our girls who were also runners as well. But um, we go and we perform. We've done that for a couple of years. Encore goes and performs. And um, we held a booth this year and did a massive recruitment, which was really great for us. Mm -hmm. And then um, specifically in the last two years, we've noticed that St. Paul is actually closing a lot of their um, choral music programs Mm -hmm. for kids. And so we are trying to develop partnerships in those schools to say, hey – Send your kids our way because we want to provide music services for them. So that's actually an initiative that we're just starting this year on um, our marketing committee. has sort of gone out, and um, our directors will actually we're hoping to be able to send them into schools and have them lead classes so that other mm-hmm. kids can get to know what it's like to to sing with us. So yeah. that's how we currently do our recruitment. We're really going to the schools, and word of mouth is always the best,
0: of course, um, mm-hmm. the
6: best recruitment tool. Yeah. Um, so. That's what we're hoping to kind of grow. Mm-hmm. The, and what's the, the girls.
0: And what's the age range for this ensemble?
6: The age range is um, second through ninth grade.
0: okay, yep. And then once um, once girls you know go beyond the ninth grade, what are some mm-hmm. of the other ensembles that they have the opportunity to be a part of?
6: Well, right now there isn't with the with our organization. We used to have second through um, senior was Mm. our Adrian, and then the hope was that they would go right into the women's choir, of course, um, and transition. But we really recognize that the high schoolers right now in this area have so much that they get to choose from that we weren't getting a lot of high schoolers. I see. And so what we're trying to do is actually grow the youngins, so the littleins and the middle schoolers, so that hopefully in the next four years, it's part of our strategic plan, we can grow back into having a high school program. Yeah, Um, but for. Right now, we just got to grow the program.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it has to be frustrating, and I don't, you know, I'm I'm not going to name any schools or anything, but it it has to be frustrating um, to miss out on some of these high school girls who, you know, do not have the opportunity to be a part of an organization like yours, even if they are, um, uh, you know, in choral studies in their high schools. Those choral studies probably won't center women and women composers and and women-centered music.
5: Mm Mm-hmm, that is correct. Yep, and I think that the The repertoire for the for the youngest singers in our organization is is just as hard to find as I it see. is for us. Um, I as a high school director as well. I'm I'm constantly looking because I, I teach at a Catholic high school for girls. Okay, and so I'm all, I'm all about it. But it's mostly because I work with these fantastic women that mm-hmm. I am aware of that as well. Um, to, to make sure they're they're doing like you said, female composers and empowering empowering texts. But the the directors, um, J C. Walker and Elizabeth Gust did a fantastic job. They just held a concert on December 7th and the and the music that they chose was was in your face we're here we're singing we're using the power of our own voices they did such a fantastic job so i i see a very bright future in that in that niche of young women singing together is
6: getting that really great repertoire mm-hmm. to help yeah yep and focusing again Going back to that focus of what we're here for, which is to affirm the voices of women and girls, and especially with the young ones, we get to do that through the whole process. Yeah. How we bring them into the room, how we set expectations, and then how we deliver is really something that I know our directors, um, Elizabeth and JC, have worked really, really well with to actually start um, creating leaders and creating opportunities for those young girls to be able to sort of take the next step wherever they go, mm-hmm. so –
0: that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. What what are, what are uh, some of the other ensembles?
4: We have uh, the Twin Cities Women's Choir, which is the large organization uh, with the 154 members. Uh, and for an, any one concert, we probably have around 120 of those singing. Okay. Roughly that, which is still a huge choir. Uh, and then from that group, um, Rondi auditions uh, 24 singers for Encore. And, and that is our smallest ensemble that... Um, was recorded this morning so yeah, yeah that yeah. we'll be
0: hearing from right. at, the, at the end of this uh, right. opus yeah. um so you know with conversations of um you know hashtag me too and and all all sorts of other political things it's sort of been traditional to you know keep music um separated from that sort of thing to treat music as an escape but you know especially considering the political climate we're in now it seems like an organization like yours doesn't have a choice but to address <laughs> issues like those
6: Yes. I- ironically, I think that's – we we in the room here are so clear about that, and I think our, our leadership, our board is really clear that, like, our mission, unfortunately, has become a political statement, right? Yeah. The idea of affirming the voices of women shouldn't should be, not be. Right. In a, in, yeah. in a political statement, but unfortunately because of the world that we live in right now, it is, um, and it's actually – Sometimes a bone of contention within our within our organization.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Like we hear on our survey, we do surveys every concert um, for all of our ensembles just to say, where are we? How are we doing? Um, And we hear a lot of feedback, which is, you know, I think our music is becoming too political. Hmm. And we're looking at that going, how is saying, you know, walk on, walk on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you making a political statement. Right. And so I think we get caught in the conundrum too, um, but we also have sort of accepted that the truth is... We're just in a different time, mm-hmm. but we're clear that this really is the path forward because we need to be celebrating women and we need to be saying women are important and women can move forward into the world with our music. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: And I think to 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 piggyback on something you said that music has been used as an escape and separate from political. Right. What we have what we have walked into right now is a revolution of singing mm. for Revolution. Yeah. And the 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 Justice, Justice Choir songbook, Abby mm-hmm. Bettinas, Andrew Ramsey, Tesfa, um, Elizabeth Alexander, J. David Moore, uh, Jane Ramsey-Miller, all of these f- fantastic composers have put together a free downloadable PDF of Music to sing at demonstrations. Music to sing wow. for action.
0: That's incredible. And
5: it's incredible. We have used some. We used <laughs> Abby Bettinas' resilience. We've used love as love as love. We've used several of those things. Um, and I think that, w- I think that the the music now is, we're finding that it needs to be together. We use it as a, as a escape, and we need to use it
6: for to, to call for action. Yeah. And that it can be used for both. Yeah. Well, and there's something in the solidarity of that, right? You know, everyone singing the same thing even in your own part. There is there's there's that sense of connection that I don't think you find much in any other place. Um you can have a whole orchestra but there's still individualism happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. that w- within an ensemble that's singing, you're finding the connectivity and we uh, going back to the previous portion of the conversation which is somebody who walks in the door and feels like i don't know that i belong suddenly you're singing at a concert and it's it becomes your emotive anthem for the moment right mm-hmm. yeah. and i think mm-hmm. that's the uniqueness about singing In a political climate currently that needs it and needs the connection, and I think that's something that we try to focus on the most, which is how are we creating connection between individual people? Yeah, and
0: good for your organization to not shy away from that either. You Mm. know, it's it's easy again to just separate music from the world, but you know, to really engage the world through music, there's there's power behind that. Um, Before I want to just add one more thing
4: for the for the women I've heard from who say we're too political, then I ask, well, what would you like to sing? Mm. And they say. I just want to sing pretty music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think about flowers and butterflies and mm-hmm. springtime. And,
0: uh, and there's plenty
4: of that there out there. There is plenty of that out there, especially for women's mm-hmm. voices. I mean, it's all just pretty and sappy and not all of it. It's, uh, but you can't make, like, one thing you said early on is, like, you can't program an entire concert of lullabies or your audience will be asleep.
0: <laughs> so, That's what they're for, right? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You can't do it. And so yep.
4: there has to be, in programming, there has to be contrast and, change of texture and change of mood and you can't just sing all pretty things about flowers. Uh, because the, f-
0: because life is not always pretty yeah, and about flowers. And,
4: and so we build themes and then have to have uh, a wide diversity with a uh, music uh, and and kind of tempo and character and within that or it's a really boring show. So right. um, Well, tell them about this last concert we had with Rebel Girls and the struggle we had, because we had
5: so much repertoire. We're like, oh, we need we're going to need something like that or else. Right.
4: And so we we have a music committee, which I love uh, because it's not just all on my shoulders to pick the repertoire. Mm -hmm. So we meet we have four people, uh, two singers and then the two directors and our accompanist. I guess that's five. I can do the math. (laughs) Um, And we meet and just discuss a general topic. And the last one was Rebel Girls. And we got that from the wonderful children's stories. Um, uh, the good night stories for rebel girls sure I don't know if you know those but they're wonderful books Mm -hmm. okay and so we wanted to highlight really empowered women through history and the wonderful things they've done and so Luckily, we found a lot of music that was either written by uh, uh, to a text by Eleanor Roosevelt or Abigail Adams or by really strong women composers through the time. And we, we found a lot of wonderful music. I think at one point for a concert that could have maybe 13 songs, there were 60-some on the list. And so oh, wow. whittling that down was really difficult. Some just weren't logistically not possible so that helped but then we would narrow it down and say okay we've got this and we've got this we need a minor tune that's a cappella that's going to be and so that it really <laughs> it narrows it down to okay let's go looking for that specific piece and then that, mm-hmm. that helps to kind of create this this show. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but uh, in, in closing uh, I wanted to ask a question that I know I'm going to get when when this comes out. <laughs> 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 mm. What is um and, and I'm, I'm trying to think about how I want to ask this what is a man's role or does a man have a role in an organization like yours in any way
3: oh yeah
6: absolutely absolutely. absolutely we actually have quite a few men right now. We, we call our volunteer corps the backups. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and um, we have quite a few partners or friends of the choir who come and help support. I mean, s- supporting the voices of women can be singing. It can be donating. And it can also be being in the room helping us heft mm-hmm. an entire um, concert. And mm-hmm. so we actually have quite a few men who are in the room with us saying, no, oh, you're important. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's really what we ask is yes. just, you know, when you're in the room, just understand that it's an important piece and that show up. Yeah. Yes.
5: And I think our audiences. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The, the audience. That's the number one. That's an e- the easiest way for a- anybody to be in the room to help us support our organization. So and and, and uh, yeah, I think the backups and the audience and everything. Yep.
4: Mm-hmm. For this last concert, I hired a percussionist because yeah. um, some of our pieces required percussion to go with them, yeah. and I hired Tim O'Keefe, and he's a great percussionist around town. And uh, at the concert debrief, uh, somebody asked, well, why didn't you hire a female right. percussionist? Right. And I said, because I know Tim really knows the authentic Afghanist, uh, Afghani drum that would go with the piece we were doing it was Malala and so I wanted to have somebody who really knew this tradition and had the instrument and I knew that he had that expertise and so I've, I thought that was really important and he was a great person for it so yeah. mm-hmm. and he's very empowering I mean he, mm-hmm. he was very supportive of, he, he loved working with us and so there's absolutely a place for men um, we all of our our concerts are recorded by Reed Kruger of yes, Waterbury he's Music. Amazing. He's amazing. And amazing. I wouldn't want anybody else back in that sound booth mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he's just great. So, mm-hmm. well. Wow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're also not
6: excluding anyone for the sake of putting ourselves ahead. Right. Mm-hmm. That I think that's really the difference when you talk about that is we we are a women-led, women-run, by women for women organization. But that doesn't mean Anything you can still have a place, mm-hmm. and um, it doesn't mean that your voice is any less important.
0: Well, you know, we men can be a little sensitive sometimes.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so
5: we've heard.
0: <laughs> um, so um, how can um excuse me? How can folks uh, learn more about her voice productions and um, and maybe even uh, join the team if they're if they're local? Yes,
6: um, you can visit our website, which is www voice productions.org that has all of our choirs in one place Um, you can also go to the twin cities women's choir or the twin cities girls choir.org any of those work Um, and you can send an email and you're going to get me
4: (laughs)
0: that's phenomenal
4: we have um, auditions coming up for the girls choir Uh, they just finished a concert and so we're we're recruiting we would love to have more girls join us in january uh, in january uh and we typically don't open auditions for or, or we don't open um, membership uh, for the for the women's choir mid year. Mm-hmm. But actually, we have two sections that I would welcome um, if you're an A2 or an S1. Um, oh no. S2. No, S1. Oh, I thought it was S2. No. <laughs> sorry. It's on the um, website wrong. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So A2 and S1, um, the outside voices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um if you are one of those we would welcome your uh, joining us in January as well.
0: Wonderful. Yep. Yeah. And uh and Rondy, how about yeah. you tell us a little bit about uh the music uh, we're about to hear?
4: Oh, absolutely. Um we are we
5: are performing two pieces. The first of which is Warrior by Kim Bereluck who is from the Weird Sisters. Uh or no, she she I don't know if she's from the Weird Sisters, but she did take it the the song itself is by the Weird Sisters. Okay. She might have transcribed it and Sorry, I didn't know that. I didn't know that little uh, that little piece of information. Oh, no worries. <laughs> um, uh, one of our favorite songs to sing. Um, uh, a very um, easy sounding, very strophic piece, minor, but an incredibly powerful message about how. A girl might go through her life as feeling young and I can't do anything about it. And I'm um, a teenager and I'm too angsty and I can't do anything about it. And then being old and wise and going, I'm doing something about it. Yeah. So I, I we, we have really loved singing that piece throughout the years. And then this year we learned a new piece. The second one we're doing is What's Keeping You From Singing by Elizabeth Alexander, St. Paul's very own. Um, and... Uh, uh, that's new to us this year, and just a fantastic message about um, what might be standing in your way from from speaking your truth or from singing your truth, as it were. Sure. Um, and we we enjoyed both singing both of those.
0: Well, thank you afternoon. so much for coming in yeah. for bringing the choir in. It's an honor to have you here on Triloquy. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you so for, thank much, Jarrett.
5: We would like to present to you "Warrior" by Kim Bariluk. Mm. I'd like to present for you now What's Keeping You From Singing by St. Paul's own Elizabeth Alexander, featuring our soloist, Emily Newberg.
2: Girl, you've got yourself a heck of a smile, rosy and rowdy and redeeming. But I can't help noticing that it's been a while since I got To the whispering stories that invite you to listen to your heart, listen to your heart, while stopping the sweet, sweet silence of the (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.